Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of just kicking this earth to the side and saying, I want a whole brand new planet. Who's coming with me? Does it come in blue? It comes in blue. It comes in green, pink, purple, orange, any color you want, actually. I like the ones that come in lava. They're much more colorful. Yeah, it's so (laughs) And And it is a many splendored thing. Yes. Now, if you have these things, all these plan, you know, all these colonies, so to speak, on planets at the edge of the border of your controlled space, you might very well have a lot of distance, you know, relatively speaking, between, you know, those planets and the desirable inner systems planets. Okay, so to me, it makes a lot of sense that you'd set up some colonies somewhere along the route, so that there'd be a place for people to stop. And, you know, I listed it as a rest stop, you know. So this is a place where, you know, starships can be, can be repaired. Uh, maybe they're, uh, if you, if you, if things got damaged due to an accident, you know, uh, if you forgot something, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, or literally just, you just, the people just needed, you know, needed to, 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 to get off the ship and walk around and breathe air and see sky above them, you know, rather than, than, than bulkheads in space, or they're going to go crazy, okay, then uh, it's, it's good to do that. You could just literally have a, um, uh, a rest stop, you know, that's, that's just there for that purpose. And, of course, you know, it would be an, a place where aliens were, were welcome as well, you know, where they might not be welcome at those border uh, border worlds. This would be someplace, and again, it would, these are layers of protection for the inner planets, the inner systems. This is where people get a chance to basically show their colors. So, um, you know, I thought that was a good idea. Would you guys like that idea? I I definitely see it. I I don't know if I would. I see any like colonies or habitats that are just rest stops. I think. I think what I see more likely as being that there will be a trade route, so to speak, um, of other colonies that maybe started off as like, you know, other religious or, you know, other colonies or mining colonies or something like that. Colonies that were there for some other purpose. And, you know, it's just along the general direction from, say, the core worlds to this border world or something like that. And that because they're along the general route, they end up doing double duty as a rest stop and, you know, a trade facility and then whatever else their original purpose was. Yeah. For, um, and I was looking this up for rest stops, um, again, back to Robotech and all the deep lore that a lot of people found and put it, there is a planet that was found in between earth and the Robotech master's home world. And the name that it was given is Okami and it's 88 light years between earth and, Gamma Crux, where 
they figured out that's where the Robotech Masters home were. So it's about 44 light years away. And yeah, it's the rest stop. I mean, yeah, you could go all the way from Earth to Tyrol, but if you wanted to conserve energy or pick up, they set up this colony world here. And that's basically what Okami was made to be. It was um, yeah, midway not... point between the Sol and Fantoma sector along the zero, zero course between the two. And yeah. I think that would be my my exception to that no just rest, rest stop colonies is like if you already have two highly developed like worlds, you know, either they're both human or one's alien and one's human. And yeah, you want to set up a trade station between those two. I yeah, I could easily see that a, a rest stop type planet. And, it, and it's funny because their econ- their economy, it's listed as agricultural, commercial and banking. So this world has become a finance world. For all the other colonies, oh, yeah. yeah, okay, go to the economy sector and deal with, yeah. you know. Because anything that is a rest, uh, like a a rest stop, but it, along a major Rest stop, resupply. Is, yeah, it's it's also going to become a trade center. Yeah, because let's see, it's, uh, well, It's going to become wealth. a trade port of some sort. Yeah. Well, 315,000 people, yeah. Yeah, because when sh- two ships are on the, on the tarmac at the same time, there's going to be some deals going on. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the difference between this and the border worlds is is that this world, nobody is considering it to be um, disposable. Okay. While some of the border worlds might have, colonies might be considered to be that way, this world's supposed to stick. So a lot more resources are going to be there. A lot more defenses are going to be there. You know. So it's 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 actually a much better place to be. Uh, because of that, and, and it'll have a lot more support from you know it may it, it you know unlike the border worlds might have maybe one uh, uh, one or two worlds that are acting as as their sponsors, okay, uh, or even corporations on those worlds. But uh, this rest stop type world probably has a dozen worlds that are within easy, relatively you know, easy flight to them. As their their patrons, their supporters, so that so I saw that as being a thing, you know. So um, and and these could also be like your your launching pads for further border expansion, not not in a military sense, but if you're out colonizing all those empty worlds along the border, these will probably be also the places where everybody gathers and launches from. Oh yeah, in the original, in all the Macross films from which Robotech was made. They have, oh, no, we're having our mega road fleets leaving from colony worlds because they're that established over the course of 40 years. They have shipyards. They have, you know, and they can just say, yeah, we've made a new Macross era vessel. We have a couple of, you know, factory ships and everything. Yeah, sure. Let's go out 10,000 light years and see, you know, we've scanned and, you know, set up a colony out there. Yeah, there in, in Macross later on throughout all the films. They had massive colonization fleets that had factory ships, military training ships, resort ships. Yeah, and just they would go out and often leave from colony worlds. See, to me, you know, um, as you were talking about, you know, the trade and stuff like that, uh, you know, as long as you, as all your ships come from your core worlds, then they're all going to have the same standards, let's say. But as soon as you let people buy alien ships or let aliens <laughs> buy human ships. You're going to have the hybridization of the tech. Well, yeah. I don't know about that, but now you have support two completely different techs. 
Yeah. And that means you need warehouses, you're going to need people to manufacture replacement parts. Replacement parts is probably going to be a much bigger thing than the actual shipbuilding. Yeah. Yeah, unless you have like I mean, unless you're going, you know, there's been long long generations and generations of trade between these two species and and the tech has sort of converged into one standard between them. Yeah, you're oh yeah. Well, we don't have anything like that on our world. <laughs> I'm just, you know, uh, we, 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 we still have uh, uh, standards that came from the Roman times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, we have variants even on earth, although. How many, how many different gauge uh, train tracks do we have when you oh, combine yeah. every different culture on this world that has trains? Well, the, the thing is though, I think if I'm not mistaken, the, I think it was the EU has passed that the USB-C has to be the standard there for chargers. And that, and that's going to be the thing is like, you have to actually have agreement between like, a, you have to have agreement that this is our standard. If you just let each, you know, yeah. culture build it on its own, then yeah. You, you, that's you a reaction. Okay. And then yeah. there's all the stuff that still exists from before the standard that still needs to be supported. Yeah. Or rip it out and update it, which takes time, money, resources. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's and, not. And is it even worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. And the answer is, if you know, if, if you know, like in FTL, where they basically get a two hundred year old colony ship as a you know as a prize at a poker table, and they say, "Oh look, we we're now we own now own our own spaceship. Let's go and be you know make our fortune. You know, being traitors to the stars." And they're like. Yeah, but how long, what's it going to take to get this ship going? And how are we going to keep it going? You know, and it, it turns into a, a bigger money pit than than literally the Tom Hanks money pit movie. Ah, yes, yes. But, so, but then again, depending on your tech level, if you have, you know, custom fabrication, you know, like 3D printing in, or better or nano printing. Yeah, that might not be as big a deal. Right. Well, you know, here here you're 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 having a very uh <laughs> you know, a, a very optimistic future, okay? You know, and uh again, if you um look at the uh uh early days of um uh, of space opera and look at E.E. E. Doc Smith's Skylark of Space series, uh the uh uh one of the first things that happened was they found another um uh, another solar system where the people there uh, were like thousands of years older, their culture was than earth. And one of the things that they had was all of these robotic uh, lays, you know, drill presses, things like that. And they could be all like slaved together, you know, and you just throw in some feedstock on one end and you'd get like a, you know, a, a full blown, you know, uh, engine, on the other end, okay, and it and it would all be done automatically using computerization. So, and and that was you know <laughs> before they got like mile long spaceships, you know, it which happens which always happens in E. Doc Smith's uh, series. You start off very small, and and by the time you're at the end, you've got things that are basically that's no moon. Yes, it is. <laughs> Might as well be. It has its own gravitational force. So yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, if you've got all that going for you, or if you have what the way we look at it now is we say, well, we've got this device that can literally build atoms, that the atoms that we need, then we can string them together, we can make anything. 
we can make hydrogen, we can make, you know, uranium, we can make, you know, tungsten and, and um, you know, whatever else. So, you know, so it's, you know, as long as we have enough power uh, and so if you, it all, it's where that tech level business comes in again, you know, where, you know, but I'm thinking that, you know, for the people, not everybody's going to be living, most of the times when I've seen, you know, interesting space stories, and we are talking about interesting stories here, okay? They don't have the level of tech to the point where you literally don't ever have to worry about something. It just automatically makes it for you, okay? You know, unless, of course, your players have decided that that's too much, that that's, that's too much busy work, okay? If you have a planet where basically you got people, you know, you got little elves in the background making stuff, you know, with less super ultra tech, then it works out to be the same way. But you know, the point is that I'm saying is that without, if you don't have that, then you need places where they're building stuff, maintaining stuff, storing huge uh, uh, junkyards full of stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that you can then pick through and find, uh, you know, exactly what you need for your your hundred year old starship, so or you know, speeder or whatever else it might be that you need. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I I definitely like the idea of the rest stop. It's also kind of a trading place, and and you can see it kind of grows out from there into junkyard, you know, uh, manufact, you know. Uh, not manufacturing, fabrication center, warehousing, and stuff like that. And then there's one other thing that I wanted to mention because I thought it was kind of cool when I, I added to my list here, a cultural concentration center. And the whole point of this is, is to say, okay, we sent all these colonies out and people tend to change, you know, as you separate them from the thing. You know, if, if, if they don't have you know, uh, YouTube and, and, and Twitch and all those things, keeping the, you know, having all those influencers, basically keeping your culture, you know, homogenous, homogeneous. Uh, yeah. Uh, then they're going to diverge and you're going to get some very weird cultures. Okay. And so, uh, the, you assume the central systems are going to want people to kind of still, remember that they're Americans or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're Chinese or they're Swedish or whatever it might be, or the Church of Latter-day Saints. So it makes sense that on some of these, you know, rest stop things, build huge play areas that are basically there to reinforce your culture. Basically, Disney World for your culture. And honestly, Disney World is a huge American culture center. I mean, we've got Tom Sawyer's Island, we've got Main Street, we got Adventureland, which other than a nod to, uh, uh, I'm surprised they they they, they did, don't have more stuff having to do with, you know, um, the, the Wild West, okay? Uh, they, they they really don't. I'm just, you know, it's, it's that's actually, a, but of course, you know, future land is is our was our fifties vision when it was first being created. It was their vision of the future. So these things were designed to take all these impressionable young people who are coming there and tell them what they should think, how they should think about the future, and how they should think about themselves. So essentially, Disney World is a cultural reinforcement center, and I see that as being a, a reason 
to have a colony world so that you can basically, as people are coming and going from these various places, you've got something there to do that, reinforce it. And it could also be a place where you make movies and television shows to send out to all those colony worlds to, again, reinforce. This is who you are, folks. Remember, you know, this is, you know, we, we believe in fair play. We believe in, in, in um, take, not eating our children. <laughs> whatever it might be, you know, it, whatever your culture has a big touchstone to. I mean, there's, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Japanese and, and the Chinese cultures have huge um, rules, social rules that we don't have here in America because we're such a melting pot. Um, but and maybe they'd want to reinforce those by having tea houses and and maybe you know big bushido and of course we've got all those what um oh uh medieval times places where they have people running around dressed in garb and and talking in funny ways <laughs> and they they got knights that are crashing into each other and jousting matches and things like that you know I mean, we're we're still pushing that, you know, and here it is, uh, you know, a thousand years later. So, you know, it's I definitely can see somebody saying, you know, we should do that, whether it's done by the government or done by religious organizations or civic groups. There's I, I'm sure there's going to be some people who see that. And also because you can make a lot of money doing this because, of course, you are going to charge admission, right? Oh yeah, if and that's the thing. I think if it's a theme park like colony and or slash cultural indoctrination center, uh, then yeah, I think yeah, government's definitely going to be up for that. But if and, and it kind of depends on how you know bullish or, or authoritarian the government is. I could almost see a version of this being placed on every colony every colony has to have like a miniature little theme park extolling the 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 the, 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 the virtues of the government slash culture okay well i mean did, did did they do that in america when they had all the colonies coming oh no no, no 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 but then again we also didn't have a you know really heavily authoritarian go i'm talking about if this is a government that is truly afraid of some of these colonies you know drifting away from cultural shift and then coming back remind you where you came from yeah because yeah. we don't want we don't want you coming back in a generation with your own uh, armed ships okay well you know the carrot is always better than the stick so yeah oh yeah you know you know just you know have a have a cute little you okay. know cute little disney characters are much better at passing yeah. on those and, and that's the thing like that this would be the carrot on each colony saying, Hey, remember you like us. Remember? See, see all of our flashy <laughs> animatronics that tell you. Our, you like us? Yeah. Our merch that you can get. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I have wear your, I, wear I, your home world t-shirt. Yeah. Right. Uh, from my reading, I always have a bad taste in my mouth of the cultural, um, uh, promotion, uh, officer in, in the colony. <laughs> oh yeah. Usually when we see it, it's, it's, in, in modern in our culture at least we see it as like yeah the authoritarian you know shoot you in the back if if you say the wrong word but it doesn't have to be that way it could it could be more carrot instead of stick base it could be more about you know convincing you that you still love the homeland and yeah you want it should to be that way yes. it. yeah yeah because yeah. you know certainly even even uh uh you know 
cultures that you're talking about that are very restrictive still have things that they promote. You know, we've got North Korea as a great example. You know, they 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 have you know they they're the people who live there who when they're not terrified of dying from their own government they're very very you know um proud of their heritage that they've survived you know against all aggressors and you know and, and oh yeah and supposedly you know the borders of of North Korea are now airtight when they used to have some things before that you know and and so, so anyways okay so we got we got that you know um it's possible that you could have a colony that 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 truly exists as a university, which kind of falls along with what you were talking about, Jonathan, about basically passing on knowledge of a certain kind. But you also, you know, because Asimov had his his foundation, you know, which oh, was supposed I to be a university, you know, where they first of all well, they, they that's made, what they were told well yeah but i mean it was a university it was yeah, yeah, it was yeah. to educate people and act as a as a reliquary of knowledge you know because uh harry sheldon said that the uh the the federation the the empire was going to collapse you know so uh but there also could be like universities for the purpose again of of bringing in people from all these worlds, you know, possibly aliens and things like that to act as a uh, transfer of knowledge, you know, a, a friendly transfer of knowledge. And, you know, while at the same time you'd be promoting, you know, your culture, you know, whoever is in charge of the university. But, you know, it would also, you know, allow them to do research into, you know, the physicality differences and things like that. It, it could be a combination of research slash university and going to it might be extremely prestigious. So, you know, because not every... Oh, you went to that world. Okay. You went to yeah. that university instead of going to one on our own planet. Oh, you, you know, it'd be, it's, it's, it's like saying, yeah, I went to a state college and everyone just kind of sniffs. <laughs> yeah it's like oh i'm sorry uh i didn't realize that my degree you know may, which makes me just as qualified as you for it for th this particular job uh it was somehow yeah. you know lessened it, it's somehow le less adequate you know and so it, it's you the galactic you with the fighting face huggers that's awesome wow no <laughs> they're, i they're I, called I, love huggers i'll have you know yeah <laughs> right right no i joke around with colleen and it, it's it, it got funny pixie's mother joking her because she comes from toledo her um she has a bachelor's in history history from the university of toledo and of course as us here in michigan constantly bust ohio residents chops i joke around you know say, yeah i have a bachelor you know she'll we'll be arguing about history for a game or whatever and it's the whole yeah, I have a bachelor's in history from the University of Toledo, so I go so associates everywhere else. There was one time I, I just may have hit her the wrong time with the insult. She almost jumped my table. Just <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Pix is there just eating popcorn. What uh, mom's going after Travigan? Yeah, but no, it, it's I could see where a university, and it could even be a world of universities. It is a world of learning, and oh, it, it and and the colleges could be like um broken down. Like you could have a teaching college, a technical college, a well, that's what the university uh, is. It's a collection of colleges. Well, yeah, but I mean the entire an entire university, nothing but this and this and this over here. Yeah, 
and it could be not just a university on the world, but if you have, let's say, a big enough society, like a Star Wars type society, where it's galactic level society. Yeah, you have just one world of learning. You pilot a, a hyperspace ship there and you go to that world and learn whatever at that university on that world. And on the other side of the planet, it could be a university based for this. And just if if your societies and your, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Breath of travel was big enough. You could have not just a university on a world, but a planet of various universities all dedicated to uh, whatever um, discipline or science. That's what I was looking for. But yeah, a university on a world, I think that might lead into something else on this list here. Uh, guarding a MacGuffin that might be examined. And of course, yeah, that because you're going to set up a university because you're going to want labs, you're going to want... You okay, know, well, why, why don't you go ahead and explain what guarding a MacGuffin is? Okay, well, I'll use the example I have here um, with Robotech. There was a campaign made called Robotech Rising Sun, where on the aforementioned world Okami, the banking world, the 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 uh, Japanese banking world that's in between Earth and Tyrol, the person who did this made a campaign called Ro that Robotech Rising Sun, and apparently there was a gate, and it kind of like a superstar gate, yeah, kind of that planetary mega structure which you know sends you out of the Orion arm you're going to have that world now set up to deal with that device or let's see there was another world in the Robotech colonies where they found signs of an a higher advanced civilization on the world already the RDF found stuff there so they set up a colony there and you know that there would be universities and labs to check this out to have scientists come by and, well, yes, this seems to be dated from 125,000 years ago or whatever. So, yeah, I think the university and the colony that has a MacGuffin there, i.e. usually alien artifact, would be, they could go hand in hand. Right. So, you know, we're talking about there's something on the planet that generates a massive response in the culture of, of who finds it okay uh it, it you know it could be a uh you usually the way they're depicted is some kind of you know a, a, a technology okay the at least the remains of a technology that makes us say wow if we could understand this then we could do so much more you know uh or there is actually a functional item that does something amazing like you're talking about this this gate you go through the gate and boom it knocks you you know like you know millions of light years so you can literally possibly even get to andromeda okay which you know which is getting easier every day as it approaches us <laughs> we are on a crash course with the the Milky Way is on a crash a, course with the Andromeda galaxy. Yeah, that, that's a slow motion one, but <laughs> yeah, that's a good galaxy helping out its neighbor. That's real sweet. Of them. Yeah, um, right. Okay. But no, it, it's it just, those spiral arms are just trying to hug. Yeah, yeah. See, like the whole love hugger thing. Yeah. Um, but no, the uh, MacGuffin. Yeah, usually you can just uh, alien technology put it in. Yeah, okay, and. I would still think that you would set up the colony there. And usually it would either, well, it could be government, could be corporate. And there, and, and in FTL, there were, and I remember this because I ran the FTL uh, Friday game a couple years back. There were 
universities that would send out colonies, usually because they found something in that system and said, yeah, we need a colony set up there to study this, this phenomenon. And I had to hold back there. And so, yeah, it, it would, a university would set up to figure out whatever this alien tech is. So yeah, after a while, the colony would, because it was like the wild west. Yeah. You have this something, a mine here or whatever, where you're going to set up the town and then businesses are going to come out. And then, you know, just the well, you family need businesses. If you set up a town. Yeah. Right. So it would just build on its own. Right. So, you know, and, and, and so it's worth doing all the effort of establishing this. And like I said, a university or a system of universities might come together and fund this. Okay. And, and the, and they, and, and the, and governments could fund money through the universities to do this. And you, the end result is, yeah, the end result is, is that, you know, you uh, end up with a possibly, you know, a big jump start to your technology, you know, um, and you know, it could be it could be you know learning uh, about you know if if it's a bunch of of if you haven't run into any aliens and all you found were dead aliens here then you could at least learn what is what is it about their biology that's different and does you know did they have an advantage you know uh, or it could be that there's materials you know may, you know that you know make you know you know, memory crystals like, you know, again, in Fringeworthy or uh, the weird uh, dimensional kind of stuff that they have in the Stalker games where there's these places where, you know, there's just really weird space and monsters can come out of it. But a lot of times you just, if you go into it, you change. So, uh, you know, there are, there are, you know, you're going to get the support you need, but it, depending upon whether this, research is considered dangerous or not, you know, might have a lot to, to do with various things. But, but again, it's, it's all, you know, if, if you can jumpstart, you know, a, a hundred years of technology, you know, corporations will gladly, you know, pay you to, you know, send the, send the best researchers and stuff there. So, you know, it could be by itself or it could be a natural um, addition to a ever enlarging, colony from as they say some of those rest stop trade centers and things like that so yeah uh now the two colonies that we hear about the most actually which is a kind of a shame you know because they provide the easiest fodder for b b type movies okay are the mining colonies where it you know they don't even care about atmosphere though that's always a big plus their job is to go to a world and dig out something that is precious on a galactic scale. So it's not going to be water, but there's a lot of, of, of elements. If you don't have the ability to build your own elements, okay, uh, then, it, uh, and if you assume that these worlds have, you know, who've developed star travel and things like that, they've essentially raped uh, their own worlds of of all the easy to get resources, you know. It's the, the you know they've strip mined everything. They've done whatever. You know, um, most of our chromium comes from Africa. We don't have any really good chromium deposits in America anymore. Things like and we use chromium for a lot of things. 
Okay, but other things are very rare to find. Uh, so if you had a world that had a significant supply of that, easily accessible, then it would be, you know, it makes sense to go and spend the money to go and set up a mine colony to mine that stuff out and bring it back and, you know, spread it around the various core worlds because it's still valuable enough when you add in the transport costs and the cost of maintaining people to live there. This does make me think of um, the video game franchise Dead Space, although it they set up mining colonies, although they were very temporary mining colonies because the only thing the colony did was it surveyed a planet, you know, checked its resources, determined what kind of resources and, and, and materials and what kind of concentrations they could expect. And then a giant ship would come in and literally rip the planet apart piece by piece and, and just Well, that's a hell of a ship. Okay. That's a, it, that's well, a huge it it, ship. It, it didn't do it all at once. It, like, it took like, I think, if I remember correctly, it would take like 50 to 100 years for a, a planet breaker to completely you know, destroy a planet. So it, this wasn't like a, a short-term thing, but it was like they would set up a mining colony that might last – you know, just long enough to do the survey, and then once the planet breaking begins, everybody gets off and and goes somewhere else. Yeah, no wonder, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but you yeah, know, on our, our stay there for you right, know, generations. Our own planet, you know, we have these areas where the 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 crust basically goes underneath other crust, okay, um, and uh, and then it comes out other places, uh, and. It's taking resources, you know, with it. It may take hundreds of years for things to go down before they turn around and come back up again in a vastly different location. So, you know, there might be a lot of resources that are actually far below the surface of the planet, you know, that, uh, but we don't, and we don't even know they're there because finding them, it's like, how do you find those? You know, uh, unless you've got super, 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 you know, scanners that can literally find those resources under hundreds of miles of rock, you know. So, uh, so I, I'm saying this is that you know when you get rid of the stuff you can find within, let's say, 20 miles of the surface, and that's pushing it. You know, most you know most of the stuff that we're looking at 20 miles from this. I mean, I think the deepest mine is like 10 miles, and really, I don't even think it, well, okay. I don't know if it's even that deep because I think the deepest hole is only getting about a mile deep. Oh, no, no, much more than that. Definitely more than that. Uh, anyways, the point here is is that, you know, most of what we call mining takes place on the surface. Okay, so therefore, you know, you in when you get into the, the future, the near or far future, you know, probably, you know, they would be breaking up asteroids and things like that because they literally can't find the stuff on the planet anymore, you know, and bringing those resources back to the main worlds and such. So going out to a world in which nobody lives on it, I mean, it's, it's in a, inhospitable. I mean, it'd be, you know, it might be great to go to a world where it's nice and idyllic and you have a mind there, you know, and certainly there's plenty of novels where they do that. But I'm saying is that there's probably a lot more worlds where it's more inhospitable, but at the same time is that if there's any resources there, they're there. You know, no one's taken them and used them yet, you know, unless another culture, spacefaring culture beats you to the planet. So, you know, I can see, you know, most 
I, I, uh, I mean, it would be more than just strip mining, but certainly strip mining would be involved and other things like that, you know, and only, and it would have to be, again, be something that was really worthwhile. Okay. And uh, Richard uh, uh, assumed that, that things like transuranic uh, elements would be super, super rare. And therefore, you know, if you had even a small supply of them, you'd be like, you know, planetary rich. And maybe, you know, and, and maybe that's true. We're not, you know, I mean, other than Earth, we don't know of any place in the solar system that has uranium, or at least no place that has it that it can be found in like large quantities. Well, they can yeah. they can be accessed, you know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe uh, I I think there's probably lots of it over on Venus, but you know, you'd have to do something about that atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Now, I would, I mean, to my mind, it it would be you know. It makes sense that, you know, there's probably a Venus and, and maybe Mercury and maybe Mars have concentrations or it, it about the same ratio that Earth does. Although, again, if we go back to the, you know, giant impactor theory of, of Theia coming in and maybe Earth has two planets worth of of transuranic elements. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the point the point is is that you know in the Goldilocks zone where you know it's not too hot, not too cold, there might actually be an atmosphere, uh, so you can go do your work with a with an environmental suit on instead of you know there might not be any life on the planet, but it would be relatively easy to get access to you know minerals and such. So mine colonies make a lot of sense. All right, that that there would be these. And I think, uh, again, as, as long as space travel is cheap, then it's worth it to go and mine, refine, and take the finished minerals or whatever to like one of those trading centers or all the way back to the, the prime things. And even more so if there is something there that is impossible, basically just doesn't exist anywhere. Some weird... Uh, you know, maybe an element that does literally doesn't exist anywhere else. Okay, or uh, though I that to me seems more and more like uh, unless you get up in the transuranic area, more and more unlikely. But uh, you know, uh, and 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 maybe some like, rare alloy that only you know forms in very specific conditions. Right. Uh, yeah. I would just. I mean, I, there's enough elements that are very, very rare on our periodic table. If you found a world where there are a lot of them, that would be like worthwhile. But, you know, I mean, spice, you know, from, uh, uh, Dune, you know, Dune, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's actually a biological product. Okay. It requires life to produce it. But the fact is it doesn't grow anywhere else. So this world, you know, is extremely valuable to the rest of the, you know, of, of the galaxy, the rest of, of, of the empire. You know, because of that, and so any um any effort, any amount of money is worthwhile keeping the spice flowing for the benefits that it offers. Uh, so mining is going to be really important. There's another reason that I see in having, which is kind of like mining, and that is toxic manufacturing. And you know, we talked a lot about this on in Fringeworthy. We talked about worlds in which there was nothing but you know, real early Earth where, you know, you got like, you got like mats of sea foam and things like that, but everything else is just mud. And it says, this would be a, but you have atmosphere. And we're saying, this would be a great place to 
you know, do biological research for, you know, uh, weapons or to make things that can be made very cheaply if you don't care what the what happens to the uh, side, you know, the, the, the side products, you know, uh, the, the toxic waste that comes off the manufacturing process. You could make these things that are very expensive to make for pennies on the dollar. You know, and, and yeah, you go and you just foul this entire planet up. It's like, who cares? No one's living here. No one, you know, EPA haven't heard of it. EPA yeah. doesn't, EPA probably doesn't care because EPA, you know, I mean, unless you have some very strong uh, ethical group within your government to watch out for these things. And there are people right now who say that we shouldn't be doing, we should be very careful about how we develop Mars because we don't want to like terraform it because then we would lose all the uniqueness that is Mars. I'm totally in favor of seeding the upper levels of, of, uh, of Venus with sulfur uh, fixing bacteria that will basically get rid of the sulfur in the atmosphere and cause the atmosphere to basically collapse down and become a world like Earth, you know, with that, you know, where it isn't millions of bars of pressure on the surface and it's hot enough to, uh, you know, melt steel. Just yeah, I mean, I'm all up for it. Like, yeah, then, I'll, I'll tear apart Mercury to make a, a, a series of solar sails. I mean, I right, have no but there's lots of people. I shouldn't say lost. There are people who feel like everything, every planet is, the, you know, has a per as God's purpose. OK, he made it that yeah. way. You know, we just don't have the wisdom to see it. You know, we sh and, and, and we should not lose the wisdom that we can get by examining it in its natural state. You know, which would be lost if we were to terraform them. So there's always going to be a bit of an argument. I could see a bit of the, that argument. And it's like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I feel once we've got a pretty good grasp on, you know, how a planet works and yeah, it, it, it make use of it, make use of it, at least until it, it, we've spread out and, and, you know, then you can, you know, have a little bit more, you know, high minded morals, but like, if we're talking about a colonization age, yeah, you want to get out there and, and claim as much space as you can. Let the let the colonists on the planet worry about the ecological <laughs> conditions. Okay, well, aren't you, aren't you <laughs> the wow, fine industrialist? Yeah. Wow. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Says yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's if if we're talking about again if we're talking about toxic manufacturing worlds, yeah, I could see if you're going out there to set one up. Yeah, you're you're gonna build whatever you can. And, and I called Microsoft the evil empire. I didn't realize Jonathan was like, yeah. Jonathan is all about claiming as much space, literally, as he can. All right. Anyways, but like I say, there there are there are worlds, you know, and and we've talked about doing it like in the asteroid belt on Earth, you know, where you could basically foul the place up as much as you want because nobody cares. It's just an, it's just a, a rock. That you know, once you've gotten every every useful thing out of it that you want, you just move on to another one, slash and burn, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and again, it, it would have to be something where, well, you say th this case, you're basically using it as a dumping ground for these things to make something you think is very, very valuable in this manufacturing process. Okay, different from mining, where you're trying to find something that's really, really valuable, uh, or you know, it just happens to be 
cheaper, you know, it's, it's at a location that once you transport it, it's cheaper than they can get it on that world or anywhere else. So, you know, it could just be a really tight fit in as far as the, you know, what the actual selling cost has to be for the profit. And, and I don't want to even get into things like profit levels because, you know, you, you got some people are like happy if they make 10% profit off of what it costs them. And then you got other people who are like, no, unless we make 300% profit on everything we do, it's not worth doing. So it's like, yeah. And that's going to be, if you're coming up with your evil or, you know, profit focused corporations, you know, you got to decide, is this a company that's willing to, to wait out the long term? Then yeah, they might take a lower, a lower profit margins. That's because, you know, if it's steady and, they know that money's going to be coming in for a long time. They'll be happy with that lower margin. But yeah, if it's if it's a fly by night corporation that's just trying to get as much money as they can, then yeah, they'll they'll go crazy and wreck anything for that high profit. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, and um, you know, if you came to a world where you actually had light, but all the plants and animals were actually in telepathic communication with each other, I could definitely see them having a research colony there. Oh yeah. yeah. You like telepathy? It exists. How does that work? What is it used to to create the communication between the various creatures? You know, are we talking about spooky, uh, uh, spooky quarks? Are we talking about some hither before not understood uh, thing? Because right now they're talking about there being a fifth uh, uh, force that we up till now we have not recognized as existing. Because we've got weak and strong nuclear forces, we've got electromagnetism, and we have gravity. And they're saying maybe there's another one. I mean, it could, I could see it going either way. Gravity is kind of an oddball of what we got now. So if it had something else that was more similar. Hmm. I, I, I really don't know. But I know that they were, you know, they were doing some testing on some stuff recently. And they were like... Hmm. It's you know we these things don't act the way they should based on our theories and our calculations. So, you know, either we have to give change how we define these other forces, or there's another force that we haven't counted. You know, this is the whole thing with dark matter. You know, it's like I, I'm still like, how, how do you prove it's there? <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, it's. Based upon what we're seeing, there's got to be something there, so we called it dark matter. But you know, there there's are people some kind are, of gravity out there. That there's we can't people explain. who are much better than we are about describing things. I still are having big issues about the fact that the universe is continuing to expand, and that and speeding up. You know, and, and the expansion is speeding up, which means that there are places in the universe that we used to be able to see that we can't see anymore. Because the universe has expanded to the point where they're outside of, you know, our yeah, outside our, our outside, event horizons, you know, speak. you know, basically our out, visual out, horizon, right? Outside, you know, how long it would take to reach us. But anyways, uh, of course, everything that we see, you know, is millions and millions of years old. Anyways, so it's like, especially when we talk about our galaxies, you know. Uh, yeah, I think the 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 prediction is if if it if nothing happens to slow it down. Then, aside from the Andromeda galaxy and, and all the other little dwarf galaxies right next to us, the local cluster, eventually every other galaxy in, in the universe will be beyond our, our sight lines. Yeah. Yeah. It'll so be too far away to see. Right. Well, there's a really good um, uh, 
there's a really good video on YouTube where they basically talk about, you know, space and uh, with an ever accelerating timeline, you know, talking about, you know, what, you know, what, ha and, it, and it shows the timeline by about how, you know, every tick of the, of the thing, how many millions and billions and trillions and quadrillion years are going by with each tick so that, you know, they can compress all of their projected time within like an hour of the, of the show. And it's just, you know, it's just, uh, it's, I found it very interesting, but, uh, you know, we live in what's called the age of starlight. And supposedly it, at some point in the future, all the stars are going to have run out of fuel and we won't have any, there won't be any light anymore, at least from stars, unless yeah, something we'll radically changes. Yeah, it was just going to be nothing but black holes and burned out stars, burned out cinders of stars and things like that. So, you know, um, uh, and and even the black holes eventually at the very, uh, according to them, at the very, very end of time, all the black holes will be gone. They'll all, you know, uh, you know, based upon the work of Hawking's, you know, all the uh, subatomic particles that are inside will, you know, reappear outside the um the event horizon fly off in some direction and the black holes will eventually all collapse and disappear and all you'll evaporate. Yeah. Yeah. They'll evaporate. And all you'll have is basically all of space with, you know, ticking along a couple of degrees above absolute zero. And that's it. Nothing for, for, forever and ever and ever and ever afterwards. What do they call that? The heat death of the universe. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the heat death in the sense that all will be left is heat. Yeah. And very little of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not very little. It's just space is so big. You know, you, you, you but, like, yeah, but that's the thing. It'd be, it'll just be these tiniest little subatomic particles and space will be so big that it's so thinly spread out that. Yeah. 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 So anyways, that's, that's a very pessimistic view of the universe, but we are talking about numbers with so many numbers after them in, in, in years that it's, it, only mathematicians understand these numbers. The just talk we're talking about, you know, the you know the, these, you know, is yeah. I personally, I personally, being a religious person, think that God's going to intervene quite some, quite a bit earlier than that. <laughs> well, it's like we're talking about times where we, when they went to, to them in Doctor Who, even the Doctor was like, "Whoa, this is this is far." Well, I remember the episode of Doctor <laughs> Who where they, basically it was the end of the human race. It was the end of time. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I found that very confusing because it's like, how do you? You know, how can you have an episode about the end of time? <laughs> because, you know, what happens after that? You know, does, you know, it just, you know, I, I'm still confused by that episode. I uh, I also like, of course, the uh, restaurant at the end of the universe where, you know, they're literally sitting above, you know, where the, the universe is supposed to collapse down upon itself into the pro primordial point. You know, be, you know, it's where the that I, that that one I think assumes that the universe is collapsing, you know, and and then they 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 get to see the end of the universe and they make the sound of a flushing toilet, you know, and then the and then the uh, restaurant basically grinds itself backwards in time to right before this happened for the next the the next group of people who are coming to have their last meal at the restaurant at the end of the universe, so. It's uh, you want to talk about your ultra high tech. 
It's like, you know, where time travel is, is used for, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name, but, but basically for eating purposes, for having a good meal. <laughs> I mean, basically dinner and a show. <laughs> and, 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 and the dinner could actually talk to you and tell you what parts of it is, is the best part to eat. Okay, I'm done. Just no. Just, <laughs> yes, the dish, the dish of the talk. day. I, I, and I loved when they did that because the the actor, you know, who's also the voice of the book, uh, uh, did such a wonderful job of of just looking at Arthur Dent and uh, and sighing when Arthur said, "No, I can't eat you. You're a sentient." You know, and he's like, "So you'd rather eat some animal that doesn't want to be killed?" Rather than me, who's more than happy to do so, you know. And, and I'm and, looking forward to it. Yeah, and everyone else says, "Okay, fine. We're going to have this and this." He says, "Okay." He says, "I'll take care of it. I'll dip off and 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 and, and kill myself." And he looks back at Arthur Dent and says, "But I'll be very humane." And Arthur and Arthur's like, "Ah, he, he, hands over his ears. Ah, you know." <laughs> I so wish they'd made the movie of that with the uh, Martin Freeman. Oh yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, I remember seeing the first the 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 movie. Yeah, first. I was so hoping that would kick off a franchise. It it doesn't look like it did, unfortunately. No. What is this? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The movie they came out with in like ninety. Oh, you, or you mean the early one, in two thousands? Yeah, uh, the one with Martin with, Freeman from Sherlock. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And, and yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Yes, yes, I know who you're talking about. Well, you know. Anyways, okay, so. Um, well, we uh, we basically talked about you know why you know because basically we did the rest stop religious concentration cultural concentration universities mining toxic manufacturing early warning or identifying a border guarding the MacGuffin that needs to be examined a place to sell goods you know uh, because American colonies uh, is is actually you know it's not. The whole point of the colony is, is to act as a place to sell goods uh, because the American colonies were supposed to buy manufactured goods from England and then send back raw materials so that they could keep the cycle going. So, you know, uh, a col- if you have some kind of like American culture where we're all, you know, we're all into uh, consumption, okay, but we're also way into producing lots and lots of goods. Now, if you get a little ahead, if you get really good on your manufacturing and get ahead of your people's ability to consume, then you might want to create some colonies just so you have a place to send stuff to be consumed. <laughs> you know, maybe not the greatest. We need new markets. <laughs> yeah, we we need. Yeah. You know, and of course, if you are, if there are aliens, then of course that'd be the very first place you'd go to try to sell, you know, set up a colony on an alien world for the purposes of selling them stuff. So basically, what like America does now, cultural imperialism. Right. Well, yeah, we're gonna set the, we're not gonna sit there and conquer you, but here, have some Pizza Hut, wash down some nice Coca Cola, and watch this American movie. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't human. actually have to have any of the sociological part of it. It just could be that we just want you to eat. We just want you to use these end tables. You know, I can just hear the alias now. What? Why do I need a coffee table if I don't drink coffee? What you do know? you drink? And what well, is? And what well, is an Ottoman? Yeah, <laughs> it's like. I do not drink this coffee. What do you drink? We drink Gribnack. Then it's a Gribnack table. I'll give you two for one. Just Why do we have, need a special table to put our Gribnack on? 
You know, this is especially important for people, who, for example, who are more toward the uh, 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 Asian cultures where they sit on, or, or even the Mongolian where they would sit on the floor and eat food that's basically put on the floor in front of them on rugs or things like that. You know, the idea of having tables and then you need chairs to sit on so you can reach the food that's on the table when before it was readily at hand, especially if you had slaves to bring it to you and feed it to you. You know, so it's, you know, I, I can see where there'd be these culture, you know, these things like, why does it have to be red? You know, why, why can't it be, you know, uh, you know, uh, puce? <laughs> you know, uh, and, and on and on. I mean, this, you know, it, uh, the, when you have, you know, two cultures abutting one another, lots and lots of opportunities for stories. Again, we're talking about this not, you know, as part of world building, but also, you know, as story hooks, things for your players to do, you know. So I think one of the best things about, as we've been kind of piling together the things like the rest stop and the religious concentration and the cultural concentration, universities, you know, possibly even guarding a MacGuffin that's being examined, is just to add more story hooks to let them feed off of each other. Okay, you know, because you definitely don't, you know, uh, you know, because if you want, if you do toxic manufacturing, now we're talking about the backstory for Le uh, League of Legends and, and the whole Jinx storyline that was on Netflix, which I think is excellent, by the way. But I mean, it's pretty, pretty bad. I mean, there's yeah, been, another one I need to check out. I hear good things about Arcane, I think was what it's called. Yeah, it was called Arcane. You're right. And it was really, really well done, and I really did enjoy it. And felt very sad for poor Jinx. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I could definitely see her, you know. And, and this is what happens when you take, you know, iconic characters from video games and actually give them a decent backstory. So, all right. Well, there's a lot more stuff for us to talk about. We haven't even gotten halfway through our list. So, but I think we should leave that till the next time. Um, and. Uh, so we've talked primarily about the reasons for having colonies, what these colonies would primarily be there for, and something about how, you know, they, you know, how they would be set up. Okay, but not in the nitty-gritty of governments or, you know, possibly, you know, uh, other, uh, sociological systems, you know, uh, well, economic, the economic we were kind of talking about, but that was between the colonies and everybody else, okay, not within the colony itself. So, okay, and we will talk about that next time, but you'll have to wait <laughs> until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.